Have you checked out my new podcast with my cousin, Brianna Belser? Peaches Ain't Pink is available now on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and TuneIn. So give it a search, subscribe, rate, and share the love of Peaches Ain't Pink. Today's guest on the podcast is Britt Barron. She's the author of the new book, Worth It. And I don't want to spoil what this episode is about because I love the way she tells the story. But for those of you who grew up in an evangelical church or somewhere similar, this will hit home in many ways. And so I just want to clarify um, any of my comments (laughs) in this episode come from a place of love and exploring my spirituality and how it has evolved over the years after growing up in a very interesting church dynamic. So check out Britt Barron's new book, Worth It, and enjoy this episode. It really was a great time. Hi, and welcome to the Same 24 Hours podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Same 24 Hours Podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood. Today's guest is Britt Barron. How are Hello. you? Hi. I am doing well. Excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. So let's dive right in. I The thing that caught my eye, I was on mm-hmm. Amazon. Your book came up as a suggestion, and it said, Britt grew up in a 1990s megachurch. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I know this world. Like, me too. I mean, I always joke that my parents were in a cult. Yeah. Um, we were at a very super crazy church for the first few years, well, like kindergarten to second grade. And then we went to a mega church that was a little less crazy. But anyway, I saw that and I said, okay, we got some stuff to talk about. Just yes. from that. But so as a jumping off point, maybe we can start there and see where it leads. Yeah. Well, the, the, I, I always say like growing up in the nineties in the evangelical church world, it was like, that was the height. Like, I don't know if you remember, it was like living in a world inside of a world. Like yes. you could exist. Like <laughs> there were like Christian competition for everything, like a Christian bookstore, a Christian record store, Christian movie theaters. And you're like, what is happening? Like our whole, <laughs> right. like, like, are we, are we creating another reality over here? Right. And so when you say mega church, like this is like Joel Osteen type mega church, right? Yeah. I mean, a little, a little smaller than Joel Osteen, but, but an average. Yes, exactly. Like right. lights, fog, lasers. Yeah. Like all the zoo animals come in at Christmas <laughs> to be a part of the service, to be a part of the service. Oh my gosh. Like oh, camels coming down the aisle. You're like, what, where am I? Where am I? That is such an interesting point. Um, yeah. So the church I went to, it was 
becoming that when I sort of went to college and I went back to visit and they had a new campus and I, but the same thing, I, I wasn't there for the zoo animals, but I saw like the bookstore. You, you, and there missed, was out. you missed out. Yeah. I really feel cheated. <laughs> feel cheated. Okay. So continue a, a world within a world. Yeah. So I, I lived, I lived in that. Um, and, and just kept it going. I went to a Christian college. Um, and then I worked at a college and then I became a pastor at a mega church. So I just really went in. You went all in. I but went did, all in. Did you, did you get life. to pet the zoo animals? Like I did not. We did <laughs> like the, the, the church that I ended up working at, which I mean, there are so many things where I'm like, as just an event, this is cool. But what does this directly have to do with the Bible? Um, but I remember like putting on an event where we brought like snow. This was in Southern California. And we like made it snow like <laughs> for the purposes of, of Jesus Christ. Um, and so that's, I did that. Um, and, and I was in it and then, um, which is what, you know, a lot of my book text talks about, um, when I was in that role, I met a girl and I was like, Oh no, but also, yay. I'm, this is, oh my gosh. Like it was, I was so. When you say you met a girl, you mean you met a girl. I mean, I met a girl. I fell in love. Um, and she's now my wife. So spoiler alert. That's that happens. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was, it, and that was such a shock because that meant instant, like the world within a world was no longer my, my home. Right. So pretty, pretty jarring. Yeah. So how did that, like, what did that look like for you? You met a girl, like yeah. what was the internal, um, were you certain Were did you try and like Bible beat yourself out of it? You know, cause I've heard that that's kind of the progression, especially people indoctrinated. And I mean, if you're bringing snow to California, you're like, surely yeah. I cannot love this girl. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was hard. So, and I always joke that like, I was so unaware of my own sexuality for so long. Like I wasn't one of those people who always knew I was gay and was just sort of like trying to keep it back. I truly just had such a disconnection from that part of my life and, um, or part of myself and, and growing up in the evangelical church, it's like every time I would say like, Oh, I, I actually am not attracted to, to these boys. People would be like, Oh, good for you. I'd be like, oh, okay. true love, wait. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I was like, did you oh, get wow. a gold band? I did. I did, and I was like, this is so shameful. Like, I always feel bad. You know, everyone's having sex. Like, no one's actually waiting. Like, except for me. And I just remember thinking, like, no, I'm, I'm taking this seriously. And my friends would be like, how do you do it? Like, how do you resist? And I'm like, oh, just pray, just prayer. And now I look back, I'm like, oh, because I'm gay, and I didn't even want to have sex with boys. So, um. So that was just like, it, it was a perfect storm for me just ha being so oblivious to, to my own self. And so when we met at first, I was like, this is my best friend. This is my new best friend. Um, and, and my wife kind of felt the same way. She also what, didn't know she was gay. And so, so did um, you meet at church? Yeah, she, yes, we did. We met at mega church. She also worked there in the creative department. And um, so we were like, Oh, let's, let's be best friends. Right. And, um, you know, a few months later we were like, huh, like, I don't, I don't feel this way about any of like my best friends since I was 12. Like, I do not feel this way about 
Um, and so we, so we started to realize like, oh, there's more here. Um, and that was tough. The, the, the initial sort of like, honestly, six months to a year, we were just like, no, this is a test. Like we, this is, we need to overcome this or, or something until we finally were like, wait, what? Like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to us. Um, but that was like a three year, literally a three year process of us finally getting a place where we're like, we love this about ourselves. We love each other. This is a good thing. Forget anyone who says anything different. Like we're getting married and, and having a life. Um, so that it was, it was a lot of, uh, it was a lot. And how, how recent was this? Uh, so we got married, we came out in 2016. We got married in 2017. Okay. So sort of recent. So yeah. what was the response from the people? Mm-hmm. Some people loved it. <laughs> um, and then some people hated it. We, we, we got the response that we had feared. That's what I talk about a lot in the book is sometimes we talk ourselves out of doing things, um, because we're like the, the things we're afraid of might happen. And, mm-hmm. and then you have sometimes people in the world who are like, no, they won't happen. Just do it. And I'm kind of the person in the middle that's like, they probably will, but you should still do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. And so, yeah, everything we feared kind of happened. We both um, lost our jobs and sort of communities. Um, we, yeah, we had friends, we had just hard conversation after hard conversation after hard conversation. Um, you know, the probably some of the hardest parts were there were three people who we asked to be in our wedding. So like three of our closest friends in the world. Um, and they said no, um, because they can't, wow. they can't stand for that. And, you know, sometimes peripheral people on the internet saying something you're like, whatever, Lisa, I've never met you. Um, but it, it got pretty hard when it was like, family members and, and close friends, um, mentors, like people we had been a part of this other little world with. Um, it was, it was really hard. Um, and at the same exact time we had friends who we thought we would have our conversations with, who were just like, yes, let's do this. You're doing this. I'm with you. I got you. And we were like, Wow. Okay. Yes. I would have picked you. (laughs) I mean, we were like, we were both presently and I'm pleasantly surprised. Like that's some people in our life who just like showed up. We did not see it coming. And, and so it it was this real like true season of like bittersweet, like so much good, so much love, so much freedom, so many hard conversations, like so many tears um, and, and just all of it happened at the same time. Literally the full range of human emotion. Exactly. And like so everyone. when you're on that roller coaster, the natural thing to do is to take on a project like writing a book. I mean, exactly. <laughs> why yeah, you know what? I'm having some major life crisis. I'm going to write this down. <laughs> right. I'm going to write this down and I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm yeah, sure yeah. writing a book is fine. Yeah. <laughs> it was like so sad because I mean, not sad. I signed up for it, obviously, but we, I felt like we had kind of arrived on the other side of that season in a lot of ways. And then that's when I started writing the book. So now I'm like back in therapy, like, (laughs) why am I doing this? I just was, as I'm writing, like I remember things 
like it all was happening so fast like and and everything felt so important i just felt like i was treading water and so being like on solid ground in a stable place and looking back like you start to pick out other little things and you're like oh my god that actually happened like <laughs> i actually <laughs> like that I, that was a real thing Jeez. right right yeah. i mean i went through the same experience so i was gonna write this lighthearted, funny book called the yeah. year of no nonsense about mm -hmm. this experiment where i was gonna get rid of nonsense for a year well mm -hmm. it just had me nosedive faceplant straight into childhood trauma and all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, I started therapy. I'm writing the book in the 11th hour. I'm like, wait, I think I figured out something else. And like the book ended up not, it has funniness in it, mm -hmm. but it, you know, it, it ended up just being a different beast altogether because that the writing process, I mean, I think almost writers do it more to heal themselves. We don't mean to. We're like, I have something to tell the world. But then in the middle of it, you're like, oh, shoot, I got to figure this out for me. This Absolutely. is actually about me. <laughs> oh, my, literally like, like, oh, I, I really need to share this message. You know, this is so important. Right. And it has we we try life. to start well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we mean well. I like telling a therapist every week. I'm like, and then that's when I realize something new about me. You know, she's like, okay. <laughs> She's like, how's writing going? I'm like, it's not about writing anymore, Abby. It's about me. Right. Exactly. This is the death of everything. Exactly. You know, like just, I mean, oh my gosh, I feel you so much. So your yeah. book, it came out, what, uh, last month? It came out um, the end of July. I don't even know what month we're in. I don't even know what day it is. When literally when you said last month, I was like, I don't know if that was last month, but I'm just gonna say it was the end February, of February, March, yeah, May, uh, June, I, we we're still probably right. in March. And was still that's March. the joke, yeah. Right. So the book mm -hmm. Worth It, Overcome Your Fears and Embrace the Life You Were Made For. Mm -hmm. Wow. Did you always have that title? <laughs> I did not always have that title. I very naively went in with no title thinking the title will come to me. It will reveal itself to me through the pages. The publisher and I will have the exact same idea of what a good title is. Um, and none of that happened. It right. was like, um, if that's the case, my title would have been, this book is shit, run away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Subtitle, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Subtitle, this was for me. <laughs> this was for me, not you. Yes. Um, and everyone would buy it probably. Yeah, not honestly. For me. I want to know what's inside. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, oh, I'm interested. Um, no, I didn't always have the title. And so, um, you know, as we're getting into the writing process, the publisher's like, all right, let's talk title. And like, you know this, I'm sure publishers are amazing um they're just like a little bit in a different time period they're and like a mega church among in they themselves are. they are i'm like do you hate me like the first we thought i was sent over i was like you <laughs> you hate me and, and you you don't want my book to succeed um and you, you we don't. have to talk offline so we still have jobs <laughs> i know i know Let but me. i hear you it's it is it's almost like you know, you, you kind of feel like you know how it's going to work. And then they insert a different set of rules. Yeah. And then you're like, wait a minute. I thought we were playing by those rules. And they're like, no, that was in the other world. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't hear we knew, moved worlds. <laughs> yeah. That's a normal time. This is Hogwarts rules. So 
Um, so it was, it was, it ended up very good. And I love the title. Like we, we both agreed in, in literally in the 11th hour where I was like, I'll, I'll put out this book with no title. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> so a just, coloring book. <laughs> exactly. It's just a picture and it's you can guess what it's about. Um, so we ended up uh, having a phone call at one point. I was on like a writing retreat where I like wasn't supposed to be taking calls and like <clears throat> finally the publisher was like, well, what is it about? Like, what are you saying? And I was like, I'm telling people that like, it's going to be hard and you never get to a place where you don't have fear anymore, but going through it every time is like worth it. And they're like, okay, well, what about worth it? Like, I'm honestly threw it out because I had shut down every idea that they were like so annoyed with me. I'm annoyed. Like everyone's like, <laughs> and I was like, I like it. They're like, you like it? It's like, I like it. You like it? And then we were like, that's it. That's it. Like hands off. Um, and then comes the cover art. Dun, dun, dun. But I mean, it was still a good, a good thing. You came to yeah. a resolution. Yes, we did it. So, so let's, it. let's talk about fear because I know that's a big, big part of the book. And <laughs> also, a, you know, you touched on it, telling your story about, about love and, and the church. And so I spent a lot of my life afraid mm-hmm. um, from, from the early church. Uh, that I went to, it was very much fire and brimstone. We all thought we were going to hell, like mm-hmm. for everything, you know? And so I was five years old with my little precious moments, Bible and highlighter, it's like, okay, hell, got it. You know, and I'm like five and I'd, I'd do something and I'd hit, you know, I was terrified. I, I grew mm-hmm. up terrified. And it wasn't until recently that I realized, oh my gosh, I don't need to be terrified. And God is not the God of my childhood. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think the intersection of, of where fear and God meet. And like, I think that's such an interesting topic because I know now that the God that I believe in and God I love is a different one than the God I did believe in. You know what I mean? Um, How how did that evolve for you with what you've been through in the past four years? Yeah, it, it will, it had to evolve. Um, (laughs) because you're right. Like I, if I thought I was going to go to hell, if I, um, said a curse word, like imagine when I was like making out with a girl. I was like, "This is this is gonna get me for sure." Like now I'm really going. Life. Yeah, now I'm going to the bottom part. Um, so I, you know, what was really helpful, and <clears throat> in the last chapter of my book, I talk about like the book's not explicitly religious um, or meant to be, but obviously a lot of my own baggage came from that, and what I thought. I needed was to just leave that world um, or leave that and just be like, okay, that was that. And it's over here now. Um, but what I found most healing was to reclaim that um, and, mm. and reclaim that narrative and, and understand it in a way. And um, because I went to a Christian school of a minor in biblical studies, which is such a nerd thing. And so <clears throat> getting into a place where I, I actually was like, all right, this, this doesn't match what I know about God. So, and, and everything I, I quote unquote know about God came from like these people. It didn't come from like an experience with God. It came from like someone telling me that, um, someone explaining, someone saying like, oh, this, this passage, this is what this means. Um, and so doing like my own deep dive and, uh, eventually was, you know, a pastor again at this like weird, small, little progressive church where like literally half the church is gay and people do announcements and drag. Um, 
and just realizing like, Oh, it's, you don't, you don't have to be Christian to, uh, to understand the, the beauty of this, this narrative and this story. And it actually starts since he grew up in the church too. Like we start the story usually in Genesis three where people are bad. Um, but the story actually <laughs> starts in Genesis one where people are good. And you sort of have this mythical tale of like, yeah, bad things can happen. And when you do, like, you need to show up and, and, and face what that happens. But ultimately, like, you are good. People are good. Um, and if we can believe, if we can believe that, then we won't live into fear. We'll try to live into the reality of who we are, not into the reality of, like, what we might become um, or, or what we're trying to move away from. But working into the reality of who we are, because we know that at our core, like, human beings are good. Um, it's a real game changer. It, it became a game changer for me of like, man, I'm, I'm good at my core. And, and I, that's what I want to tap into. Um, and, and that means I can't have anyone giving me messaging that says anything different. Right. Right. So what do you do with that messaging? Like, you know, so much of what we encounter in our life is names or numbers or messages that other people gave us. And, you know, we've <laughs> internalized and become that, you know, for me, it was fat, you're fat. And now like, we know, okay, who cares? But, you know, <laughs> back in the eighties, that was, you just, I might as well, have, I don't know, been sent to another Island. Totally. Um, <laughs> but what do you do with that messaging? So, you know, you said to to pick better messaging or to have your own messaging that people are good and, and that mm-hmm. we're good, I'm good. How do you, what's the process? What's the process of taking a message not so great yep. and, and turning it around to be something positive for you? Yeah, well, it, I don't know if it's as much turning around that message versus acknowledging what it is. Like mm. one thing that I've, become obsessed with lately is and my wife's like probably super annoyed because I keep asking this like question when when I encounter or she encounters like some aggressive language or something that hits a part of us that we don't want to be hit I I always say like is that my thing or is that their thing like in my response like what is mine to work through and what is theirs that I do not need to take like that I do not need yes. to carry. like oh, that I good. just, that's yours. And that may have hurt me. And now I need to like process that. That's my thing. But like, that's, it's not, it's just not mine. It's not mine to carry. Um, and that's been a, a huge switch because typically it's like, oh, well, this is someone's opinion of me. So that that's mine to carry when it's like, no, that's theirs. Um, and you can just put kindly give it back to them and what do you want to carry? Right. Um, which is hard work, especially when it like, it's something that hits and you're like, Oh, like, you know, like, where did that, what happened just now? Um, you know, there was a, um, one of, one of my best friends who, um, I asked me my wedding and, and she said no. And for a very long time, we would have conversations where I like felt bad, like for, asking her for like, like, and finally I was like, what is, what is mine? Like, what is mine to carry? And like, what do I get to kindly say? Like, I know this feels like it might be about me, but I actually think this might be yours. And I'm like, happy to give this back to you. Um, because (laughs) I have been a bag of poo on your doorstep. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. 
<laughs> but you're like, you know what I mean? Like you get into, we get into these rhythms of like, oh, this, this person is talking to me as if, as if something is my fault or something is mine to carry or someone's perception of your body is like your responsibility when yeah. it's like, oh, I'm going to just very politely give that back and go over here. So how do you handle this in our social, social media world? I know you've grown exponentially and it's the worst. I've been slowly dragging around here for 10 years. And so nothing, you know, pow has hit me. I've just been Mm -hmm. watching the haters, just whatever. But, um, how, how has that been? What, what tips do you have for other than block, delete, swipe, keep the comment response? Like, what do you do? I just, I I went through the period of responding (laughs) and I thought Mm -hmm. this is, this is no this is not mine (laughs) yep literally you're gone no longer mine (laughs) i know it is so tempting but i i don't respond i will not and and you know when someone's asking um a genuine question hey can you help me understand like i grew up i got a lot of messages like i grew up thinking this was wrong but then like i see you and your wife and and i want to and then i'm like oh here's a resource here's a book list that was just a general question, you know, versus someone who's like, you're going to go to, you know, like, no, I'm not going to respond. And that's like, I have, I have to always ask myself <clears throat> the times that I am tempted to respond is because there's something that I'm struggling to believe about myself. Right. There's always an iota of either truth or untruth that you haven't <laughs> quite sorted out, you know? Exactly. Like, yeah. So it's like, how dare you? And I'm like, how dare I? And then I'm like, <laughs> okay, um, let me sit with that. You know, I, I, I vowed after being in that <clears throat> experience when we first came out, I spent a lot of time trying to defend myself to everyone from that church. Mm. And after realizing what I was doing and, and none, of, none of it going well anytime ever, like I sort of said, like, I'm, I'm not going to be in the business of defending who I am anymore. Like, I'm not going to do that. Um, and that's what a lot of people are baiting you to do. Like, yeah. tell me why you think you deserve. And it's like, no, I can't, I can't, I can't with social media. I can because it has these beautiful parts, but right. sometimes I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> And I know what you mean because I had, you know, I've been really able to just delete for a long time. Pretty, oh, you're fat and slow. Okay, wow. Give me something new. Oh, you used you for a fraud. Okay, I said that in my first book. Like it, you know, I'm just (laughs) delete, delete, delete. But after um, I I did an Instagram, I don't know, I don't even know what prompted it, but I got a message from a girl from the cult church. Um, who posted on my Instagram. She's like, Meredith, I am so sorry to see that you have fallen away from God and all this, you know. And I was uh-huh. like, you don't even know where I am with God. <laughs> Stay out of, you don't know. And then, but I just had a podcast conversation where I'm like, you know, spirituality is really tough for me because I'm still like, it, because I'm still like grappling yep. with with <clears throat> all of it. The way I was raised versus how, you know, I'm very liberal, but you know, I believe all of it. Right. And so yep. this girl coming out of the flames from, I don't even know when, I mean, we went to VBS together. Oh, sweet like that's the last time I've seen her, you know, mm-hmm. um, we were doing paper crafts. And so, <laughs> you know, I, I, I kind of lost it. I posted something. I, I went off and then I posted it and then I was like, oh, 
delete block. Like I know. But then like, why are you looking at me? <laughs> why are you following well, me? <laughs> I have this, I do have this theory because you know, I I my wife and I always are like the people, there are people, some people who are like, okay, no, not for me, whatever. And I'm like, okay, fine. What like it's just they disagreed, I disagreed, we go our separate ways. But some people are so mad, like so mad that I'm gay. And I, we, I swear it's, it's half joke, half true. Like, I think they're gay. Like anyone who is yeah, mm-hmm. that mad about like my, so mad that they are like every post commenting, reading blogs, commenting. And I'm like, why are you this up in my life? And I'm like, oh man, I you're think. so gay. Yes. Like you have, I think they're looking at me and saying, you got to do that, but I don't get to do that. So like, I'm going to make you hurt or like, I'm going to bring you down. It's like that girl from BBS is probably like, "Uh, (laughs) I would give anything to leave this world. Like it's oppressive and I hate it, but I can't. So like, I want to make you bad, feel bad for having like what I can't have. Cause I talked to my mom about it. I said, mom, Mm -hmm. you remember this girl? She's like, oh, she's crazy. And her husband's even crazier. And so I'm thinking, oh, cause I I mean, there was probably something in there about marriage too, you know, Mm -hmm. just, um, you're so right. If it's not like they're gay, then they have, you're right there. You have done the freedom you've done the work you mm-hmm. you've been true to yourself your heart and so many of us are selling out mm-hmm. on our heart and ourselves and so it could have been like i'm going to take those zoo animals and start a zoo and they'd have still been pissed off at you because, <laughs> because yeah like you were even following your heart <laughs> right like oh you walked away or you do this thing it's like oh do you feel trapped mm-hmm. like do you what are you trying to say like you know right. which i'm in not engage but that's like always what I think in my mind of like oh man like for you to get that angry at such a peripheral character in your life living like you're angry like you want that there's something in you that is like so mad um and then for that it allows me to have a little more compassion like I'm still not going to respond I'm still going to block you and delete every comment but I'm going to have a little compassion of like okay like yeah you know and this, I mean, this, it's always, it's the same with the privilege argument. You know, if you mm-hmm. talk about race, you talk about privilege. Mm-hmm. So people get so angry, so. like you're taking a piece of my pie. I'm like, everyone gets their own pie. And uh-huh. I mean, same thing because they can't look in the mirror they can't see who they are or they see who they are. And they're like, I mean, I don't know what that's about. I don't know what the well, anger is. It's, it's part <laughs> of the same point. thing of like, you, you have to know it's true. Like to be that angry. I feel like I know, but do like, and and that's the thing where it's like, <laughs> it, well, okay. So um, James Baldwin has this quote. It's my favorite quote from him. He says, "I imagine the reason people cling so tightly to hate is because they fear once the hate is gone, they will be forced to deal with pain." Yeah, and I think that's what happens with homophobic Christians. Like, if even if. <clears throat> Even if your views have changed and deep down, you know, you're wrong. You can't say that because what does that mean for the way you have treated the queer people in your life? Like you would have to deal with that. And so for, you know, 
white people who just will revolt at the idea of, of acknowledging or even getting in a conversation about anti-racism. It's like, even if you, you know that, I mean, you have, geez, you have eyes, right? You have to know that this is true. And if you acknowledge that it's true, what does that mean for the way you have treated people of color, for the jokes you have co-signed on, for the things you have laughed at, for the systems you have participated in, you have to deal with that and it might be painful. So instead of dealing with that pain, you're just going to cling to the hate. To your hate. Yeah. 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 It, that's, that's a great quote. Yeah. Great Got quote. Got me fired up there. I know. And another thing. <laughs> Stick around. Let's keep yeah. going. Yeah. <laughs> my, my pastor days are coming back. I know. Like, well, yeah. get out of, come on. You got to pass Yeah, come on. Right, yeah. Jesus my, wept. Shortest book in the Bible. Brings me to my Trivia second two. point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were watching Jeopardy, like on a, on a drive-by. I don't even know. It was just mm-hmm. on. And one of the questions was shortest passage in the Bible. I was like, Jesus wept. And my husband's like, what? And I'm like, I, I know that stuff. You're like, I, I got that one. That's just, a, that's a thing there. everyone knows. Yeah. I know. I know. Well, Britt, this was so awesome. Thank you so much. I ask yes. um, the same question of all my guests. So I'd like to ask you now, this podcast, it's called the same 24 hours, meaning we all have the same 24 hours in our day, but it's what we do in those 24 hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. Mm-hmm. So what is something that you do on a daily basis that really strengthens your day and makes the most of your 24 hours? Uh, okay. So, so one thing weirdly that I try to do every day, I'm an Enneagram seven. Don't know if you're familiar with Enneagram. Yes. I'm an eight okay. with a seven wing. Okay. <laughs> um, I do laugh every day and not every day I feel like laughing and some days it just comes naturally. And even in, in harder seasons, I like started doing like laughing, like breath work. Oh, like laughing yoga. This where I have like, not heard of. <laughs> it's like so weird, but like you take a breath and you're like, <laughs> and like honestly like if you do what? that like if you do that like three times in a row eventually you're literally laughing oh my um, gosh stop it i have not heard that that's awesome it's so it's really good for you like the the physiological benefits of of laughing hard are like are there so i just i try to do it every day Love it. so you're a seven d which what is your wing eight wing Okay. Yeah. See, that's so, why we're so don't get me started. Exactly. But that's why, because yeah, I'm I have I'm almost weighted equally seven eight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm definitely more the eight wins. But I'm, I'm yeah, I'm like woo. No, we need to follow the rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used yeah. to joke that I'm a seven wing seven. Um, because so <laughs> many of the stereotypes, I'm like, um, but I, I definitely have that eight wing, and it will. I'll get after it. So. And what is your wife? What Enneagram? She's a nine wing eight. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So that's where we connect. Somewhere. Oh, I can yeah. see that though. Yeah. 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 So anyone listening who's like, what are you guys talking about? I know. Enneagram. I feel like everyone has to know <laughs> about Enneagram at this point. But if you don't, go to Enneagraminstitute.com. That's probably yes. the main page. You can take the ready test or mm-hmm. H-E-T-I, not ready. Like, ooh, I'm ready. Um, um, and get your number. One at our, at church, our like progressive church, just have to clarify, not make a church. Um, the, my co-pastor, Corey, so I'm a seven and so is his wife. He was saying that one, one day, like from the stage, he was like, oh, I love sevens. My wife's a seven, um, you know, Britt's a seven. He was like, oh, and then there are like three other people who happen to be women. He was like, oh, Alex is a seven, Sandy is a seven. And someone thought he meant like out of 10. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then like, came up to him after, like, because he didn't say like any, because we, you know, everyone oh, knows. So he just said like, funny. and then he, you know, was like, oh, Sandy's a seven, Alex is a seven. He's like, <laughs> everyone's like, wow, what a jerk. I know, like, what? And you're not even gonna say they're tens. Like, you're gonna point them out and say like, oh, you're a funny. seven. That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, tell everyone where they can find you. Of course, you can get your book wherever books are sold. Yes. Find Worth It anywhere books are sold. Um, You can find me on Instagram at Britt Barron um, on the internet at BrittBarron.com. All right. Well, thank you so much, Britt. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Same 24 Hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.